Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, great new inventory, fabulous pre-owned inventory, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Don't forget, 6.05 to 7 tonight, Jim Ferry joins me on the Penn State Coaches Show on the network. Before we get to Fran Fraschilla, our play-by-play call of the day, the Sixers needed a big bucket, eh, why not go to Joel Embiid? Who's got the three? Here's Embiid posting up. He's got Bogdanovich thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! Wow! 39 after that. Realizing the situation. Pulls back instead of posting up. Pulls that trigger on the three. Bogdanovich not tall enough to contest. I know I wouldn't be. All right. So with that, um, anytime I have a conversation with Fran Fraschilla, whether it's on the floor to shoot around at the NIT or in the lobby in Brooklyn at the Marriott at a basketball tournament, I feel I'm richer for it. It's Fran Fraschilla. Fran, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it very much. Thank you, Steve. Last time it was Thanksgiving dinner at that Brooklyn Marriott Hotel. At least that's where it I was. had it. Uh, yeah, that, right? that's where I had it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly where yep, we had I, it. I, good memory, but uh, always great to talk hoop with you and uh, excited to be on today. So the other night I couldn't wait to watch Illinois play Michigan. We know how it turned out. But before that, I said, man, I'm going to watch West Virginia play Baylor. Uh <laughs> That felt like high-level hoops at 20 paces, Fran. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, it, it was a great game. You, just, you know, you, of course, when you're in a league like the Big Ten or the Big 12 this year particularly, Steve, there are going to be a number of memorable games. But given what was at stake for Baylor, the uh, the absolute mystery of when they were going to be the team that we uh, – who we've seen for 17 games prior to the three-week COVID break, um, it had the drama. It had, uh, obviously, Hugs' team is playing great. And Baylor was trying to get a conference championship, if you could believe this, for the first time in 71 years. Yeah. And and to your point, we had great shot making. Those are two really quality teams. And uh, you've seen it all year in, in the Big Ten. We, we're seeing it in the Big 12, some really good basketball. Uh, my experience... You know, loosely with with COVID and with with teams has been. I've kind of looked at it like a player coming back from an injury. They usually have adrenaline the first game, then the second game they've got nothing, yeah. then the third game they settle in. Is that what we're probably seeing with Baylor right now? Well, I'll tell you, I, I wish I could give you an answer because I, I don't know about you, but I have never lived through a once a century pandemic. Uh, so, no, I've mi- no, I, yeah. I missed out on the Spanish flu. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I, I and I talk, I talked to Coach Drew before his. Uh, after his Kansas game and before the West Virginia game, uh, I know that program well. I was so anxious to watch them the other night just because 
nobody really knows. And I don't even think they're back all the way. I think they just gritted out a, um, you know, it's who they are in terms of their character that they, they won that kind of game in overtime. And they obviously had some great shot making. And I think they're going to be back to where they were by the time they get to Kansas City next week. But quite frankly, and this is Baylor, this is, you know, the way I've put it, and I don't know how you feel about this, there's two kinds of breaks this year. There's the COVID pause when your team has the virus, and then there's yeah. the COVID break when somebody else has it and your games are canceled, or maybe in the case of Michigan where the state shut down Michigan athletics, and I'm not right. sure that they, they, they didn't have to stop practicing. So every COVID situation is different, and particularly because of HIPAA laws and, and the privacy of the athletes, I'm not sure we know the whole story sometimes when these kids are out of action. So to me, it's still a complete mystery when these kids get you know hit with the, or when you see teams having the pause and kids sitting out. Recently, Kate Cunningham of Oklahoma State had a 40-point game, which received a lot of publicity, and justifiably so. Yeah. But if you look at his numbers, it seems to me like he's the type of player, friend. You can tell me if I'm wrong about this. Yeah. He seems to do what's necessary in a game to win the game, and it doesn't matter to him how many shots he takes. Am I right about that? Totally on the money. You know, there have been times this season, especially earlier in, in this one year he's going to be with us, where I said, hey, I love this kid, but I wish he'd take over the game a little bit earlier, you know, because they lost a couple right. of – they started out one and three, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. You know, in an 82-game season next year, you can do this, especially with great players. But, no, he's he really, really is a great teammate. And the impressive thing about him is we knew he was a six foot eight playmaker. We knew he has this, you know, the kind of size that can push people around. But he's become, or at least in college, he's been a great outside shooter. I think the sky's the limit for him at the NBA level. And uh, trying to think of, you know, I don't know if there's a comparison. I've heard Doncic, uh, Grant Hill, you know, uh, Penny Hardaway. I'm not sure who he is, but what I do think he is is going to be a very effective player in the NBA because he's going to be around great players. To your point, Steve, he makes the guys around him even better. Well, you know, it's interesting, Fran, because Penn State was supposed to be in that Charleston tournament with Oklahoma State. I was really anxious to watch him play. It's the kind of guy – I mean, I know you've had to do things in studio. Uh, I've had to do some road games in studio. (laughs) Yeah. how valuable, though, is it for you to not only watch the video, because the quote video yeah. doesn't lie, but then to actually yep. see somebody in person? Well, as a matter of fact, the lovely Mrs. Frischella and I are in Dallas, Texas right now, driving down to Waco, because I'm going to watch Baylor play Oklahoma State tonight, in Good. part because of your point. Um, I've, been, I've been celebrating college basketball from my home. If you listen to me broadcast, I hope you'll say, boy, he brings the same energy no matter where he is. I've tried to do you that. Do. But do. Uh, we're going to have a busman's holiday tonight and stop at Cracker Barrel some lo- somewhere along the way. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I, and then I'm going to go have a fancy dinner, right? And then I'm going to go watch uh, Baylor play Oklahoma State. Now, to do some homework for next week, because we are going to be in Kansas City in person, to see Kate Cunningham again in person, to see Baylor again, and to celebrate – Scott Drew's great season because he's uh, like many of these coaches, he's a close friend and uh, it's good to get out of the house but that's what we're going to do tonight to your point, I want to see these guys in person 
By the way, tell the lovely Mrs. Frischilla we appreciate that she's sharing you with us right now. So I appreciate she's that. She's driving. She's doing the driving. All is good. All is good. It's all, all is good. Uh, I want to ask you a big picture question for a moment because you obviously you do a lot of work where you're able to identify guys that can play at the next level. Uh, yeah. Let's face it. There in the Big Ten, there are a lot of great big guys. Kofi Coburn. That's like a yeah. wall. Uh, obviously, Hunter Dickinson, Luca Garza, you know, Travion Williams. The those guys, I don't know, fifteen, sixteen years ago, probably were lottery picks. They're not yeah. lottery picks now. What is it about the college game where their game translates to the college level, but the pros don't think it translates to their level? Well, I think that's starting to cycle back a little bit. Now, obviously, we've been around, uh, you know, I'll put it this way, Steve. When I was a young coach, and even before that, when I started following basketball, when you watched a good high school team that had four guards and one linebacker who was out playing center for because he was just trying to stay in shape, right. we didn't call that small ball. The high right. school coach put the best guys on the court. When I was at Manhattan College, my power forward uh, for uh, for four years was a kid from DeMatha High School who was 6'3", 250. He was a power forward. He could play inside. Yeah. Um, and so many of us have been playing small ball forever. Well, the game in the NBA has gone positionless, as we know. But I do think it's cycling back. And to your point, somehow those kids you mentioned, including Luca Garza, and especially because teams now carry 17 guys on the roster, um, those guys are all going to play in the NBA. And then their coach uh, is going to have to figure out how to use a guy like that. Now, we were, we had the great fortune of watching Doka Azubuki for four years in Kansas, and he ended up being a first-round pick when people said he was a dinosaur. And so I do think those kids all will have a place in the league. Um, it, the game has changed. It is more positionless, and they, teams do tend to go a little bit smaller. But, I mean, you still see – Mark Gasol playing and, and guys like that. If you gave me time, Yusef Nurkic, uh, Jokic, for example, uh, who's 7-1. I mean, there's a place for these guys, and it's just got to be the right team, right coach, who's going to figure out how to use them and then, quite frankly, protect them in some de- defensive schemes. Uh, pick and roll, for example, where teams will try to make your big guy play out on the floor. Obviously, I've been watching the Big Ten on a regular basis because that's what I'm broadcasting. You yep. broadcast, obviously, a lot of Big 12. What's the depth of the Big 12 like? How wide open do you think that tournament in Kansas City can be next week? Oh, you know, seven teams. Um, this is, this yeah. is a unique year because those two leagues are going to send, at minimum, well, it looks like right now, 16 teams to the NCAAs. There are some years in the Big 12, and you probably agree in the Big 10 as well, where, yeah, six or seven teams are in the Big 12's case, you know, seven or eight or nine will go. But the last three are high seeds, you know, a nine right. seed, a 10 seed, or 11 seed. Right. I know in this league this year, every one of those teams, like, it's crazy to think about this, but Texas could be the seventh place team in this league. <laughs> and only a few short weeks ago, not only had won the Maui Invitational, but also was the number four team in the country. Now, they hit, they hit a COVID pause, so they're not quite the same, but it's insane to think, like you've seen in the Big 12, Big 10 before, that a seventh-place team is actually going to have to play a play-in game, even though they're automatically going to the NCAA tournament. So this particular year, especially with Baylor being knocked off a little bit with the COVID virus, 
I absolutely think it's a year where all seven teams that are heading to the NCAA tournament, any one of those teams with some breaks here and there can win the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City next week. There was one oddity, I want to say, three, three and a half weeks ago where Kentucky was 10th in the SEC, Duke was 10th in the ACC, Michigan State was 10th in the Big 10, and then there was Kansas, which fell out of the top 25 at one point. Okay, yep. Kansas obviously had that game with Baylor, right? Yep. Played really well. Where are they right yep. now, Fran? Uh, it's, it's probably the least talented team in Bill's 18 years, but they're still capable of being a four seed. And yep. and they've resurrected what looked to be a season heading nowhere. Uh, now the schedule fell in their favor. As you know, Steve, at the start of every season, you look at the schedule and you see, like, okay, we got to get through this part. This is going to be rough. Well, with some COVID uh, postponements, they, they hit a stretch where they won five in a row, uh, lost at Texas in a close game, and they came back and beat Baylor. Uh, dangerous. They got a great coach. They have a good team with good players. I'd say they're a top 15, you know, top four seed line team. Uh, but by no means are they, the, are they the Texas team we're used to seeing year in and year out in the Big 12. But still, still a quality team. All right. You're obviously, I, I I think of you as one of the top broadcasters in on television doing the game because to me one of the keys in broadcasting for the analyst is that when the game's over, do I know more not just about the game I'm watching but about the game? And you do that. Thank what you. do you What do you know now with everything? I don't care whether it's the coaching yeah. part, the politics part that you wish yeah. you knew when you were coaching. Oh, well, without a doubt, I wish I knew more about the politics of the of the business, of being able to, uh, you know, uh, what do we say? Um, you have to, you have to, your relationships with your players, you, you have to manage up as well as manage down. I was a young coach. I didn't, I didn't play for Coach K. I couldn't pick up the phone and call Roy Williams. And I had, you know, obviously I, I did work for Danny Nee and Gary Williams and Rick Barnes, three good coaches, but I didn't have a board of directors where I could call somebody who I was really close to and say, hey, I'm about to interview for this job. Should I do it? <laughs> for example. Yeah. With, right. And so I, I think one of the things I tell young coaches all the time is uh, because having success is hard. It really is, as you know. Uh, but when you do have success, you have to manage, you know, you have to manage your situation and you have to have people in your corner that you can pick up the phone and call when a decision has to be made that your that your staff can't really help you with because oftentimes they're in the same forest with you and so you know that old story about you can't see the forest you know through the trees the and trees, it's, it's very yeah. similar so yeah i think that part and i'm a way better basketball coach now as far as knowing the game <laughs> than i than i was right. exactly because i've right. coached a thousand games and i haven't lost any right <laughs> so, so it's everybody. been fun i am one of yeah, yeah. But you know, but you know, it's interesting about that because you talk about the ability to talk to other coaches. Yeah. Look, this is a profession. A profession that unless you're sitting in that chair as the quote CEO. Yeah. They're the yeah. only other people that can relate to you. Is that fair? It, well, it's fair. I have some great friends who are in you know in journalism who know the game as well as many coaches. You know, Mike DeCourcy comes to mind. You know. Yeah. My right. Mike. Friend. Mike's great. You know. Mike's great. Mike's a wonderful guy. We've been friends for thirty plus years. So I, I'm not going to go the Coach Bayheim route like he did yesterday and poo-poo somebody's journalistic, journalistic chops. But right. as an analyst, 
on a game, what I try to do is I try to enlighten people as to why the coach is thinking the way he is. And, and based a lot of it on my own experience or my experience of studying these guys and saying, hey, this is a – like, for example, when there's a timeout, Steve, in a Kansas game and Kansas has the ball, you better pay attention because Bill Self's going to run a play and get themselves an easy basket. That's right. And you know that you know that over time. Oliver Purnell used to change a defense every single time out. If they were playing zone, he'd come out man. And so those are the little nuances you pick up as a coach that you share with the with the viewer. And the other thing I learned a long time ago, because I learned it before broadcasting, and that was keep the game simple. And when you explain it, it I had some players who weren't the sharpest tacks in the box. Right. I don't want to say they were dumb. That's a bad. That's politically incorrect. But I had to take my time teaching them a little bit more or explain right. it a little bit better. And that's exactly how I treat a broadcast. I try not to talk any over anybody's head. I try to explain something so that the average basketball fan could say, boy, that was cool. I never heard it explained that way before. And it just goes back exa- to my philosophy of coaching. Keep it simple, stupid. Right. That's exactly right. For example, you're doing a Michigan State game. I mean, and we'll talk <laughs> about it on our broadcast. You know when yep. an out-of-bounds, you know, baseline out-of-bounds, side-line out-of-bounds, you know Tom Izzo has a thick notebook that he's going to go to. He's running a play to score. I mean, exactly. so you, know, you have to know yeah. stuff like that beforehand. Well, and some of it's osmosis, I have to tell you. Some of it is just through the years watching so much basketball or watching so right. much of Kansas or so much of whoever it might be or coaching against guys and saying, hey, he still does this. You know, he's tricky. Watch this. And so, you know, the other night we had a game where it was a five-point game, barrel was up, and uh, I said, hey, I take the short two here instead of finding the three. But Bob Huggins has always wanted that three ball in that situation. And, you know, he's going to the Hall of Fame this this year probably, but he wasted 15 of the 25 seconds looking for a three. Yeah. And and you know it. And he's still going to win 900 games here in the next couple of games. So <laughs> what, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot. Uh, great, great respect and admiration for the work you do. I thank you so much for the time you gave us today. The audience was richer for it. Thank you. And please send my best to Coach Ferry. I know he's on your show tonight. And send him my best. He's a good man. Yes. Thanks so much, Fran. I will. Appreciate it. Okay. Yep. Bye-bye. Fran Fraschella joining us. We will come back with more in a moment. We'll talk hockey final half hour with Brian Tripp. Tomorrow, wrestling with Jeff Byers. Also tomorrow, coming up on the show, the old two-niner Phil Bork and the King tomorrow. Don't forget on the after show, uh, the suit will explain greatest moments in Chickalemi basketball. (laughs) I'm just getting that now. We just thought it was the best place to put it. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Uh, There is tournament action taking place already today. Uh, uh, Two and a half minutes to play, and North Alabama leads North Florida 53-48. First half, nine minutes to play. First half, Ryder leads Monmouth 16-15. Earlier today... uh, Tulsa advanced. They were able to win 107 to 74 in their game. UMass beat St. Joe's 100 to 66 in the Atlantic 10. Duquesne beat Richmond 67 62. It's a big loss for Richmond. And also Dayton leads Rhode Island at the half 40 to 31. St. Peter's eight and a half minutes to go in the first half leads Quinnipiac 22 to 13. Liberty's the number one seed. They were behind in the second half. The number eight seed Kennesaw State, but then finished strong and beat Kennesaw State 69 to 59. And tonight, Nebraska plays Iowa. Michigan plays Michigan State. Final half hour, Brian Tripp on hockey. Penn State, after being 0 for February, not playing a game since January 29th, plays Notre Dame this weekend. Tomorrow, Phil Bork, Jeff Byers, The King, and no after show. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory. Fabulous, great lineup of pre-owned inventory all at Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com we talked with Nathan Davis at 335 we talked with Fran Fraschilla in the previous half hour now we're going to shift gears go to hockey tomorrow by the way on the show, we'll talk wrestling with Jeff Byers, the Big Ten Wrestling Championships in the Jordan Center Saturday, Sunday. We'll talk to Jeff tomorrow about that. Also coming up on tomorrow's show will be the old 2-9er Phil Bork on hockey, Pens and Flyers. I believe they play again tonight. Correct. And, and, uh, and then the King is on tomorrow because we try to build the show to a crescendo. That's right. Great promo line there. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's bring in Brian Tripp now as Penn State finally gets back. Last time they played was January 29th, and Tripper, it's going to be great to hear you just back on the air again. Welcome. I, I hope I know how to do this thing. It's been a little while. We'll send you a tape. We'll see how you can do with it, and then uh, we'll make an evaluation. Uh, Steve, before, before you ask anything else, I just want to – 
take kudos to your, your bullseye call last night on Trent's three was terrific. And I just thought it's such a classy move by someone that um, that's certainly been around for a while. And, and one of the things I miss most this year about traveling to different schools to do games and having different broadcasters come here even is that Big Ten announcing fraternity. So I thought your call of bullseye last night was just terrific in honor of Larry Quisby. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. And I wasn't the only one to do it. Uh, others in the conference did it. We uh, were together on a group uh, email uh, Saturday, and uh, a group of us decided to do I know Paul Keels did it, Brian Barnhart did it, Mike Grimm did it, Dave Ennett did it, obviously Don Fisher did it, um, Gary Dolphin did it, and uh, I think I rounded out the group. But it just turned out I was the last one to, <laughs> to do it. So, uh, but yeah, that was because you know, look, we all thought the world of clues, and we all just decided that was our own private way to it. So very kind of you to say that. So appreciate yeah. that. Uh, oh, for the month of February. Wow. Um, yeah. So there'll be adrenaline. So let me get to the the, what's the second game. Second game might be the one that we sit back and go, oh, uh, how concerned is Guy as to how to handle this? Yeah, he said yesterday there's no blueprint for it. And I think I'm kind of the same way you are. Like, what do you even ask? What do you say to start? Because I, you can't really focus on trends. They were playing terrific hockey to start out the new year. Yes. You don't really know what to expect. So Michigan obviously had the long layoff uh, previously in February, and as you said, Steve, they came out and they played terrific in the first game against Wisconsin, but the second game was actually the one where they struggled. So I'm I think the first game, because they're just going to be so fresh, so hungry to get out there. Now, granted, you don't want to make any silly mistakes or be too aggressive, but if you can stay simple and play to your objectives, I feel like the first game will be okay. Yeah. I'm really curious yeah. to see how they come back Saturday then. And I just – I think you can go in with a plan, but you have to be ready to adjust on the fly. And whether that's changing lines, changing defensive pairings, uh, see how guys' bodies are reacting. Because not only could the players that obviously were affected by COVID not participate in practice or be at the rink, the whole team couldn't be at the rink because they had the, exactly. the pause because of the Tier 1 tests within the – uh, COVID test within that t- tier one for uh, their personnel on the team. So I think just being away from that, from the arena and from that environment for so long, it's really affected everyone, even the guys who maybe were not COVID positive or were not forced to be in quarantine. Well, yeah, because look, the first game will be fine. You know, now, I, whether they win or lose, we'll see. But on, on adrenaline, you're fine. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, the second game, the problem, because we see this, and I always equate this to an, to an athlete that's been out with an injury. They've been out, they've been rehab, whatever. You know, they, you know, And then they get back the first game, and then the second game, we, we see it over and over again. Well, you know, Bobby had 17, now Bobby has four. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Bobby went out and had eight catches this week, and this week he had two. And they were both for a total of five yards. Uh, and that's that's the issue because you're not used – your legs are not used to game shape. Your upper body is not used <laughs> to game shape, and that's that's the issue you run into. 
Yeah, I think with hockey, if there's any silver lining to it, by the time you get to March, I mean, your body typically is just so beat up and worn down. And you wouldn't mind a bye week late in the year, right. but to have four straight weeks off, I mean, that's just way too much. So it's finding that chemistry, finding that cohesion again, getting back into game shape. And look, they want to have success this weekend. In all likelihood, they're finishing in fourth or fifth place in the conference. They, they would have to sweep Notre Dame, and Michigan would have to lose three straight for Penn State not to finish fourth or fifth. So you know you're going to play in that 4-5 matchup in the first round of the tournament. It's probably going to be against Notre Dame again. And then for your season to continue, they're going back to the old tournament format this year of three games, three days. They're all neutral site. There won't be many people there. And to me, it's what information can you get out of this? How much game shape can you get back from these two games? And as much as you want to have success and play well, make sure you're getting your bodies tuned up for hopefully a postseason run in that conference tournament that will be next Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday because that's what you're going to need to have success in uh, as you want to continue your season. Brian, what does this do to the, the NCAA thought? Because obviously there's some people that have been in and out, and Penn State's mm-hmm. been one of those that's been out. So what is, what's the thought process on, on that? Yeah, I think there's a, there's an interesting a couple interesting things here because number one they can't use the pairwise this year so uh, typically it's strictly by the numbers as anyone who follows right. college hockey knows and I'm sure most people know by now. Um, so having a committee for Michigan, for example, when they were without most of their key cogs because of World Juniors, they were swept at home by Minnesota. So having a committee look at it this year, will they? Will they? Because the pairwise. If you have injuries, it doesn't take any of that into effect. There's no 16. This year, will committee members give a team a benefit of a doubt, like a Michigan, um, a Wisconsin maybe, in the beginning of the year because of COVID? And now those two teams are likely in, but just for a good example for, for fans that know, uh, will they give them any benefit for the game for players route? And Boston College, Boston University, guys out from COVID, will, will that be factored into their decision as, you know what? They may have lost those two games, but they're without two or three of their top guys. And will that impact how they decide the field? So I think that's the biggest thing this year, knowing that it's going to be decided by a committee as opposed to uh, just strictly by the numbers. For Penn State's sake, I think they had a chance if they played really well down the stretch. But starting 0-5, they needed to play as many games as possible. Uh, In that large for an NCAA, they're obviously not in that position here. Uh, Notre Dame, they were to sweep Penn State, then maybe win their first two conference tournament games. They would possibly have an outside shot at large. But the three Big Ten teams that are going to be in are Minnesota, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And I think all three of them have a shot at winning the national championship. Uh, Oscar Adio, when they finally did get back, he was actually on a roll in goal. I mean, he'd been Mm -hmm. 6-3 and in those nine games and at a 2.31 goals against average. So where did you see the improvement? And look, obviously playing is the only way to get better. So by playing, where did he get better? I think his confidence went up as he settled into the new role. That was really important for him to start on the road at Michigan or at Minnesota and at Wisconsin. And then the first home game being Michigan. I mean, you couldn't ask for three more difficult 
opponents to start the season. I think he's just settled in. His confidence has gone up as he started to stop the puck. And the team really realized that, hey, we've got a guy back here who's calm, he's poised, and then that fed over to the rest of the guys in the lineup. He's not the biggest goaltender, as, as everyone knows. Right. Uh, I don't even know that he's the most athletic goaltender, but he's so he's, – he's very calm, he's very confident, he's very poised, and he's always in the right spot. And I think you can overcome maybe any deficits that you have by being fundamentally sound and, and knowing where to be anticipating, which is something you can't do when you're not confident. You can't anticipate. When you're confident, you can anticipate. And you can see he's able to do that now. Uh, the Senior Class Award, you have to be tremendous on the ice, field, court, mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be. Great in the community, great in the classroom, right? And it's also leadership. How appropriate is it that Alex Limoges is now one of the ten finalists? Man, especially this year too, with what they've had to go through with with COVID and the off season and having nine newcomers join the roster and for them to be playing at the level they were prior to uh, this one month hiatus. I think it speaks to Alex's ability, as accomplished as he is on the ice, leading the nation in scoring two years ago and team's top scorer this year and scoring some huge overtime goals for them as accomplished as he is on the ice i think his leadership for the team and bringing this group together together and getting them to play at a really high level in an extremely difficult conference uh speaks volumes and also you know, he's someone that's always been involved in the community as well whether it's going to read at local elementary schools they know he's done some things back in his hometown as well uh winchester virginia He's, as, he's the type of individual you want being the face of your program in every way, whether he's speaking to the media, whether he's out in the community, whether a, a young fan comes up to him, um, taking time to sign autographs, take pictures. It, the guy's incredible. He, he, and not to mention, he's one of the best players in the country. And when you can put those two things together uh, for a program that's still – in its infancy in some ways, you know, that, that's the type of individuals you want to recruit and the type of individuals you want to lead by example for everyone else that joins your program. Now those, those eight freshmen that joined the team this year, the example they need to live up to, Alex Loge, and, and that's the type of character that you hope to have on your team. Let's take this weekend from a different point of view. How important is it for them to get this weekend out of their system so that okay, now they're actually ready for the postseason. How important is it just to have two games? Yeah, I think it's huge. I think if you were just going into the postseason with no warm-up, no game to play, I think you're, you're in a world of hurt. So I think getting back, and a guy said earlier this week, just getting back this week is massive. I think there's still some, some questions whether they're going to be able to. Uh, it's not an easy process once you have – uh, a couple of individuals that are impacted by COVID because it's the 17-day window, uh, and yeah, to get those appointments for the cardiac testing, you know, there's no guarantee that just because X player is at day 17, oh, he's back the next day. Well, maybe there aren't tests available that day, so it could be 19, 20 days before they can even get back to going 100% in practice, and then to build up in practice situations and scrimmages whatever you can try to do to simulate game speed no it's not it's not all of a sudden your symptoms go away 
or your quarantine's over because you were around someone that had COVID and you can come right back on the ice, especially in this sport too. I mean, hockey, football, basketball, the intensity that it takes and just how much stamina, the, the cardio fast uh, component of it, it's hard. It's really hard. So I think just getting games in is really important that no matter what you do in a practice, you can't simulate going out there and playing someone else in another jersey and getting back to that game speed. Yeah, because I know uh, women's lacrosse today, I mean, they found out their <laughs> matchup at Northwestern's been postponed out of caution because of Tier 1 personnel at Penn State. Mm-hmm. That's women's lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. this, this and this is, the, and this is coming yeah. off a week where they only had three positive tests out of 2,200. Yeah, and, and look, Penn State, the first week that they missed was because Michigan was in it. Right. Shutdown, yeah. the 14-day shutdown. So it was Michigan shutdown, then coupled by your own shutdown. Um, it, it's a circumstance that people have always asked. So, you know, I think everyone wants, well, who was it? What was it? Look, it's a global pandemic. And just to have an opportunity to play, just to have an opportunity to go and call games, you're lucky. You're grateful. Oh. You need some luck on your side. You know, no one's to blame here. Right. It's this is the circumstance that you're going to deal with playing in 2020, 2021. It's going to happen. You hope it doesn't happen to your team and you can be as diligent and as safe as as you can be. But it still doesn't guarantee anything. That's just the nature of it. Well, no, I remember Mark Packer in July. In fact, it was the 4th of July. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the 4th of July, I'm I'm on a radio show. (laughs) But Mark Packer asked, he said, what do you think of the odds are playing? I said, I think they'll play. I said, but I think the goal needs to be, I said, I think the goal is to play a game. And then the second goal is to play a Mm -hmm. second game. And the third goal is to play a third game. And I've felt that way about the entire football season, and I felt that the entire time in basketball. And I think it's a miracle mm-hmm. football got all nine games in. I think it's a miracle mm-hmm. basketball has 22 games in right now with, yep. with everything that's gone on because, you know, you've lived it, it because you went along, went along, went along, and all of a sudden for five weeks you had nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's extremely difficult. And, you know, we've been around the Penn State programs and – I, you can't say enough about what they've done at Penn State to make sure that they put the safety, not only of the athletes, the coaches, but everyone who's in that building, they put that safety first. They're trying their hardest to make sure with COVID, but it's going to happen. Uh, there are how many cases a day within the country, especially over the winter um, with how, how many people were, were impacted um, over the holidays and it's just the nature of the business. There are 10,000 cases a day in Pennsylvania. Odds are, you know what, it's probably going to happen to your program at some point. And how many programs out there by now has it not happened? So, right. um, so you just hope that they can get back and, and get a chance to play again and you know, hope the seniors have an opportunity to out strong uh, because this is now back-to-back years where that, that senior class, they didn't get to play their last game at Pagula. Last year, the conference tournament was canceled, and this year, look, I know they haven't officially canceled every game at summer post, but there's no way they made it. The tournament bumped up, so those seniors, they didn't know it at the time, but on January 29th, they played their final game at Pagula. Right. Well, can't wait to hear you this weekend. Can't wait to hear you get back out there and do what you uh, do best, because you are the best in the business, and... uh, Appreciate it very much. Uh, 
I think that uh, it's just great that they're back, and it's great that you're back. Yeah, I appreciate that, Steve. It means a lot coming from you, and I can't wait to talk hockey and, and not talk COVID. It's going to be a it's going to be a good day. Yeah, exactly. Brian, thank you, my friend. Thanks, Steve. Have a good one. Brian Tripp, play-by-play voice, Penn State men's ice hockey. Tomorrow, Jeff Byers, voice of Penn State wrestling, will join us. Phil Bork on the air to talk about Flyers, Pens tomorrow. The King. And don't forget, on the after show, uh, uh, I believe it's Saturday morning at 3 a.m., the suit on his greatest memories. Right. No, confirmed. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Great to have you with us on the show today. Boy, awful about Colin Gillespie. I know he's having an MRI today, but he's the straw that stirs the Villanova basketball drink, and he got hurt last night. Knee injury. They said that the initial fear was serious. He is having an MRI today. Um,. Yeah, that can change Kinda. things dramatically in the Big East. It did last night. I mean, that was big. Gillespie's a heck of a player. Uh, Doug Birdsong uh, texted me, and he said that uh, um, and uh, he was talking about Fran Fraschilla, and he said uh, he always learned from the games he works, which is true. He said the communications director... John Terry said that of all the TV analysts, it was Fran Fraschilla who seemed to really want to know the most about Bucknell. Doug also says, unfortunately, he doesn't think he'll be listening to the 3 a.m. Saturday after show with the suit. I replied, I said, I thought it was the time slot that fit the audience interest in what he had to say. I mean, he's the only guy I know that, like, suit light gets an allowance if he listens to the game. It's like, I don't know. It's I, it's not the way I'd operate, but, you know. <laughs> Back in an hour with Erica Dombach on women's soccer and Jim Ferry on Penn State basketball. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK.